Amen. Thank God for our pastors. Uh, we honor and appreciate them. Thank God for all they've done for us. Uh, so thankful for the uh, anointing in this place. Kelly, it's interesting that you had that word because I had this um, as the opening you know, remarks this morning that uh, we're so thankful for the anointing in this place. Amen. That week in, week out, because of our pastor's faithfulness, we can show up here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and any other time we come here, and the worship is always anointed, the word is always fresh, and uh, it, it's just such an amazing blessing. Amen? So thankful for our pastors for the sacrifice that they have laid down their life so that we could enjoy God's anointing in this place. Amen? Amen. Pray for them. I know that they're uh, having a great time in Florida and uh, in, enjoying it down there, uh, getting uh, refreshed. So uh, I do have a, a word this morning. Or I feel like the Lord has a word for us this morning, and uh, I'm so excited about it. And uh, it really, just preparing for this word uh, really just uh, did such a work in me. <laughs> so thankful for this word. It's a good word. Amen. And uh, you're going to be blessed by it this morning because I know it's it's God's word for us. And uh, and I know the work that it did in me uh, just the last week or so. I've been kind of thinking about it and praying about it. I know he'll do this work in you and you're going to be blessed by it. Last week we talked about uh, King Solomon and all of his achievements and uh, if you recall, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but Ecclesiastes uh, 2, 4 through 7, Solomon said, I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. So he had income-producing assets. It was continuing to generate more income for him. He had a life of complete leisure. He had everything uh, you could possibly conceive that a man could have on this earth and um, in second chronicles 9 13 and 14 talks about the amount of money that other kings were bringing to him annually when you translate it out into english it's 50 tons of gold if you recall it was forty nine thousand nine hundred and fifty pounds of gold were brought to solomon every year uh, you translate it out to the troy ounce and as of a week ago, the uh, gold per, per troy ounce was $1,214.80 times 14.5. Um, anyway, okay, so the math, uh, it gets to this. Every year, the amount of gold that kings from around that area, around the region, were bringing to Solomon, it was $884,703,611 in gold that other people were bringing to Solomon. Just to hear him speak. And Second Chronicles nine twenty two through 24 says, So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And all the kings of the earth, they sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present. They brought him articles of silver, gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mule at a set rate year by year all these things that represented achievement all these things that represented success in the day all these things that supposedly would make a man feel good about himself 
people were bringing him all these things year after year. Ecclesiastes 2.8, he said, I also gathered for myself silver. I gathered gold. I gathered special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I became great. I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And then Ecclesiastes 2.17, we see the result of this self-consumed lifestyle where eventually, as, he, as his heart drifted from the things of God, as his heart became cold towards the living God, and he began to pursue everything and anything he could find to satisfy himself, look what happens at the end of his life. Therefore, I hated life. Because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. This is Ecclesiastes 2.17. Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me. For all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Then I hated my labor in which I had toiled under the sun. Because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Solomon had been con- become consumed with self-satisfaction and self-preservation. And as he did, the more he tried to get stuff, the more he tried to get things. You know, today, he said, he said I got treasures of special treasures of kings. You know, today it might be rare antiques. You know, a collection of, I, I saw something the other day on the internet. Some guy has every color and make of Dodge Viper that's ever been made. He's got this massive warehouse. It's lit up beautifully with all these cool gas station signs. And he's got every different kind of Dodge Viper in there. You know? Okay. <laughs> Obviously, he, he's not satisfied. He needs one more. Boy, if I just get that, uh, that one more year with that one color, maybe then I'll be satisfied. Solomon found out that the more things he got, the more attention from people, uh, the more he sought to please his flesh, the emptier he realized he became. He longed to be filled, but by putting himself first, he wound up empty. He pursued He obtained all the things that the world is going after today. All the same things that everybody is pursuing and working so hard to get. Solomon had all those things. The world is going hard after things. The world is going hard after pleasure and recognition and achievement and status. It's going hard after it. I mean, the world is churning. People are running fast so they can appear to have recognition and status and achievement. Solomon had all these things. And at the end of the day, he realized he was empty, that they did not bring satisfaction. That at the end of the day, he was empty. Even though he had people, other leaders coming to him and saying, Solomon, just talk to me. Share some of that wisdom that's in your heart because you are amazing. I mean, just Solomon, my great-grandfather passed down this special treasure. I want you to have it. 
He had all these, you know, every, he said, I withheld nothing. I withheld, you get the point. (laughs) There is a way to be filled with fullness in life. Solomon didn't find it because his heart turned from the Lord. It turned from his creator. It turned from the living God. His heart became hardened. He went after things, and he discovered that the end of those things was emptiness. But there is a way. Everybody say, there is a way. There is a way way to be filled with fullness in this life. One big difference between uh, Victory Christian Center and maybe... uh, other churches is that we believe that that the abundant life that Jesus brought is not something we just have to wait to get to heaven to get. That we believe that when he brought abundant life, we get it today. Amen. On this earth. Heaven's going to be amazing. And and but he gave us abundant life today. Amen. There is a way to be filled with life and there is a way to abide in fullness of life. The word of the Lord this morning is that love never fails. Say, love never fails. Oh, I like this. This is nice. Very nice. Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. Got quite a bit of scripture this morning. Is that okay? Aren't you glad you came to church today? Man, I am just getting filled up. I love it. Matthew twenty twenty six through 28 says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 The Apostle Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And here it is right here. That you, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's it right there. That is the key to life. That is the key for you and I living a life that's full so that at the end of our life, we look back and we say, man, I'm full. Life was full. God, you've given me fullness in my life. Thank you. It was a full life. We won't get to the end and look back and go, it's empty. It was all grasping for wind. It was vanity. Nothing mattered in my life. We won't have that type of look back. We'll look back and we'll say, God, my life was full, overflowing with fullness. And how do we look back on life that way? By having a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ, his love. Amen. 
Solomon longed to be filled. He found that fleshly pursuits, obtaining things, cannot fill you. Rather, they leave you empty. They leave you, they leave you forever wanting more. Jesus Christ was the manifestation of God's perfect love in the earth. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished or bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he said that, you know, him being the truth, he was saying, I'm the manifestation of God's love in the earth. And he revealed that fullness of life, a full life, a rich life, is found in living, not in getting, not in achieving, but a full, rich life is found in living a life of love. Amen? That's where richness of life comes from. It's found in living a life of love. And uh, Ephesians 3.19 again, he said, To know the love of Christ, that you might be filled with all the fullness of of God. Amen. Father, we thank you. You just continue to reveal to us the fullness of your love. We receive it this morning. We thank you, Father. I thank you for this powerful word, this anointed word that comes from you, Lord. I thank you for the richness of your word. I thank you, Lord. I yield myself to you this morning. I ask you, Father, to reveal this to us. Take us to a new level of love in you. Continue to open up our hearts and minds to a greater revelation of the richness and the depth, the depth of your love for us and, and how we're supposed to be in this life, uh, living a life that's not self-consumed, living a selfless life, yielded to you, allowing you to minister love, love and compassion and healing and grace to people everywhere we go every circle of life, in Jesus' name, in every circle of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, talks about love, talks about the kind of life that God would have us live, the kind of life that we'll look back and say, my life was full, my life was rich. It says, love suffers long. Or love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Y'all ever been provoked? <laughs> it's ugly, <laughs> right? Have y'all ever been provoked? That's my ugliest moments in life when I've been provoked. Thank God it's not on video. Seriously. And I know y'all are glad you're not on video either when you were provoked. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. You know, the reason love thinks no evil is because it's concerned about the other person. It's, it's not seeking what they can get from that person, how they can take advantage of that person, get something from that person, get satisfaction from that other person. It's rather yielding to the Holy Spirit and not thinking evil of that other person. Amen. Not thinking about what someone else can do for you because they have value as a person. 
Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Amen? And then Romans 12, 9 in the New Living Testament. I don't know if we have the New Living, but it's awesome. It's close. Here's what it says. I love this version of this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Some of you might have heard this before, but several years ago, I got a voicemail uh, from uh, one of my college roommates, Jr. He's the one that uh, after college, he went to Seattle, became the number one producing realtor in the Seattle area, making all kinds of money. Felt like God told him to go to China. I said, what are you going to do in China? He said, I have no idea. And uh, he just lived that kind of life. He flew to China, not knowing what he was going to do, had a temporary visa, stepped off the plane, enrolled at uh, um, University of Beijing, walked on the basketball team. <laughs> Other than Yao Ming, he was the tallest person in China. <laughs> Yao Ming's a seven foot six NBA player. But um, anyway, and he wound up learning Chinese, met his wife there, started a, uh, an, an orphanage or a, uh, they called it uh, Gift of Joy. And uh, over a thousand kids came through their ministry over a 10 year period. And um, Eventually, the communist government came in, and they told him, we have no more orphans, and they, uh, he can't go back to China anymore. And, uh, but he's, he's a very unique, special person, and I'm so thankful that uh, we're friends. He left me a voicemail several years ago, and it was one of those things. We all get lots of voicemails. We all get lots of you know, communication and email and text messages, and some of us return our messages. Some of us don't. <laughs> Don't take it personal, okay? If she doesn't return your message, it's not because she doesn't care about you. She got a lot going on, okay? And she feels no need sometimes to text back, so it's nothing personal, okay? Nine o'clock, Tuesday morning. Honey, I love you. No return. You do return, yes. Amen. That's kind of the point of this whole message right here, okay? I text her, I love you. I cannot hold something out there and put this expectation on her where I'm not okay unless she texts me back. That's not love. That's pressure. Amen? If I want to, you did text me back, I know. And I was so happy. But I was happy even if you didn't. I obviously got to work on this, right? Men have needs, man. We got needs, man. Amen. All right, so check it out. So Jr. left me a voicemail, and so then I didn't return his call for three or four days, and he called again. And I said, I am so sorry. I said, I owed you a, I owed you a call back. And he said, you will never, ever owe me anything. That comment, that response, well, many, many years later, I still remember it. It's the way he's lived his life, that people don't owe him anything. He's not a victim. He's a vessel of love. God's ministering through him, touching other lives. He's not putting these expectations out there, putting demands on other people. And the only way he's okay is if they meet those demands. It's not the way he's living his life. Amen? Release people. 
Don't put expectations on other people that they're required to meet in order to receive your approval. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Amen? He who does not love does not know him. There's a lot of spiritual things that we see people doing, or at least maybe we think we're doing spiritual things. But if the motivation is not love, it's not good. First John 4.19, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This is the message that will rescue this hurting world. Amen? It's selfless. Uh, you know, most religious movements are associated with passion. Um, we need more than just passion to rescue this hurting world. We need more than a convincing argument. Everybody who's on the, in some sort of religious movement, they're passionate, and they have an argument. Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, they're passionate, and they have an argument. And if you don't agree with them, their response is hate. Their response is murder. Their response is violence. We have to be different. Amen? Our response must be rooted and grounded in love. Yes, we have the message that the hurting world, this hurting world, must receive. Amen? This message will rescue the world. Amen? We must be different. You and I must be a demonstration of God's love in this earth. We must be people who are selfless. Everybody say selfless. Amen. This is where rich life comes from, not seeking our own. I was thinking about this word, and, and, and I was thinking about several people who would be here, and I was like, God, I want, I, is this the right word for them? Because I want to help them get to where they need to go. It's like, I want them to see victory in their life. I want them to really have victory. And do I need to tell them to stand up for themselves, fight for themselves, be motivated, be strong, get after it. Come on, get on it. Let's do this. I was concerned for them. That, that if we talk about this selfless life, that they posi potentially position themselves as a victim. God's like, no, this is the message that will set them free. Because a life lived in love, a selfless life, then we put all of our confidence, all of our hope, all of our trust in the Lord to be our deliverer, to be our helper. Faith worketh by love. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. This is a very spiritual person. But I have not love. I'm nothing. 
Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question. He tested him. And he said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. Prophets. So everything right here. All of it. It's all hanging on these two commandments. Love God. Everybody say, love God. Love Love people. people. Amen. God's love was manifested in the earth, in Jesus. He came here. He turned the world upside down with his message of love. That all the fullness of God is found in the knowledge and the revelation of his love. He turned the world upside down with this Revelation, because the religious leaders up until that day, they were focused on the law. They were focused on doing and achieving and being and getting recognition. Jesus came and he turned it upside down. He said, let it not be so among you. Whoever wants to become great among you, let him be your servant. Amen. And with that type of hard attitude, God sees someone in whom he can entrust Great authority, great power, great anointing. Kelly mentioned it on Wednesday. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth earth, to find people that he can show himself strong on their behalf. Amen. John 13, 35. Love these scriptures. John 13, 35. Jesus said, a new commandment. He was turning the religious leader's world upside down because they were totally focused on the old covenant law. He said, I give you a new covenant or a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also, as I have, I'm sorry, let's read it again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then John 15, 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17. Jesus said, these things I command you, that you love one another. Galatians 5, 13. The Apostle Paul said, but you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. In 1 John 5.18, there is no fear, everybody say no fear, in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Fear is rooted in self-preservation. If you've ever had the thought, I could never get up there and and talk in front of a group of people, that's rooted in self-preservation. What will they think of me? What if I fail? 
How will I feel afterwards? The reason this word ministered to me so much this morning is because I was getting ready for this. Usually, you feel this weight of, of having, of, of knowing that you're going to minister. And, and we love our pastors so much. You don't want to disappoint the people. You want to do a good job, right? Like all of you would too, I'm sure. And you want it to be a great service, and you want there to be anointing. You want everybody's hearts to be changed, and you want it to be a great time. And so you begin to think about all these things. I got so excited about this word because I was like, you know what? It's not about me. This has absolutely nothing to do with me. I am simply the yielded vessel through whom he is ministering his love. We have to look at every single area of life like this. Amen? All pressure, all frustration, all stress, anxiety, worry, fear, it's all wrapped up in self-preservation. What will happen to me? If anybody has any issue with any sort of fear, they don't have a fear problem. They have a self-preservation problem. They have a love issue. They need more love. You know, if, if, if you're willing to give anything away, then no one can take anything from you. Little things, fear of bugs. Why would we be afraid of f- bugs? Nobody likes bugs. Well, Andy, maybe. Do you like? No. <laughs> Nobody likes bugs. Well, we don't need to be afraid of them. Because of fear of bugs, this is, now this is out there, but listen, I believe it's truth. Fear of bugs would be rooted in self-preservation because I'm afraid of what it's going to feel like. It's going to be creepy. It's going to hurt. It could bite me. That's self-preservation. Live this life with no concern for yourself and you will have no fear. This is the rich life. That God has for us. This is why Jesus turned the world upside down with this message of love. Amen. That we completely get out of ourselves and stop thinking about ourselves and see ourselves as simply a yielded vessel through whom God can work. Wow. There is no more ceiling on our life. We have amazing, tremendous potential that God can do uh, in our lives and use us to do amazing things because we take the limits off and we simply see ourselves as a vessel through whom he is doing things through. Amen? And it no longer becomes about these self-imposed limitations that, are, that we get all caught up in ourselves. Amen? Hallelujah. Fear is rooted in self-preservation. People afraid of what's going to happen to them, what they're going to lose, what others might think of them, how they might be adversely affected by something. As we become willing to give of ourselves to be selfless, fear will have no hold on our lives. We'll not be afraid of losing anything if we're willing to give it away. You cannot take something from me if I'm willing to give it away. We were sharing this word over in Breakfast Club. Uh, is I think it was a year ago. And uh, Robert, what's Robert's last name? Robert Vaughn. Vaughn. What's his mom's name? Makia. Y'all know Makia. Her her oldest son, Robert. 
So we were, and, and it was an anointed time in Blaze, and, and, and it was actually a breakfast club, and, 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 and I, was share, I was sharing a word similar to this and talking about this type of selfless life. I said, what if everybody lived like this? What kind of community would we have if everybody woke up in the morning with this type of approach to life? And Robert, in sixth grade, said, that'd be amazing. I said, boy, he got it right there. He got it. It would be amazing. Amen? That's why Jesus is the answer for the world. Because he is the manifestation of God's love. We have this message. Amen? This is the message that will rescue a hurting and dying world. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Love never fails because the manifestation of God's love in you and the manifestation of his love in me gives us total and complete victory in every area of our lives because our lives are no longer defined by what we get what we achieve how much recognition we get we're seeking to simply love God and love people in every situation of life. We never lose anything because we're willing to give it away. We never fail because we're willing to lay our lives down. That's how love never fails. Amen? Everybody say love. love. Never, never fails. fails. Let's all stand up this morning. Amen.